Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. In this week's episode, we're joined by Jim Hedges. We speak with Jim about outsider art. That's art made by artists who are self-taught. After going under the radar for so long, outsider art is starting to finally get some increased attention from institutions, from collectors. We even have a few art fairs dedicated to it and even some auctions. Jim is an expert in this area and actually inherited about 2,400 outsider art objects from his father's collection. And as a result, he's... um, made a lot of connections with the outside art world, um, and it's a big advocate of outsider art. Uh, so it's a really interesting area of the art world that's often overlooked when we talk about the art market and contemporary art auctions and art fairs, but it's nonetheless a really fascinating area. Um, so we hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. In this week's episode, we're here with Jim Hedges of Hedges Projects, the art-dealing, art-investment arm of the Hedges family. We're going to speak with Jim this week about outsider art. Jim's an expert in this area, as well as many other areas of the art market, and he inherited about 2,400 outsider art objects from his father's collection, and now he's managing all of that. Um, So yeah, it's a really fascinating area of the market that uh, has received increased attention, but still very much under the radar. Uh, Jim, thanks so much for speaking with us. Thanks, Adam. I'm happy to do it. It's, uh, it is fun to talk about outsider art because it, it's really turning a corner right now. Uh, heretofore, you know, it was a, a separate base of collectors, but now more and more we're seeing contemporary art collectors spend a lot more time looking at this artwork, which is largely defined as self-taught. That's, that's really the notion of what outsider art is. Yeah, it's interesting. You as you said, you work a lot with outsider art, and it's received increased attention, but a lot of people, while, you, while it, there is some crossover we're finally seeing where some more people are collecting it who weren't before, there still is a large group of people who uh, haven't been fully exposed to it. So can you elaborate a little bit on what exactly outsider art is, and maybe for people who haven't seen it, what are the different ways it can look uh, from an aesthetic perspective? Sure, absolutely. So I'm going to answer your question by telling you a bit of the story of my father. Um, my father, also Jimmy Hedges, was a, an artist himself. Uh, he was a sculptor, and we're originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee, in the southeast. Uh, and as he started developing his own art-making practice, he sought out other artists to talk about the work that he was making and started in, in sort of... Uh, infiltrating the universe of self-taught artists of the Southeast. Most of those artists that you would call Southern folk artists or Southern self-taught artists um, were typically African-American artists. And he had a very unique position in that when he went to meet an artist, he met them as an artist talking to another artist. And, you know, that's a very unique way to create a dialogue and an understanding. So my father ultimately became this bridge in the outsider art community where he had access to museum curators and large not-for-profits, and he knew a lot of contemporary art collectors, but he was able to build that bridge to this outsider art community and along the way built this enormous collection of self-taught artists. Um, As I said, originally it was a Southern black vernacular. Um, A lot of the work is uh, 
quite primitive. Uh, it is it is often uh, religious based um, or work based. So you know a lot of the a lot of the imagery tends to be like Bessie Harvey's Seven Days of Women Working, which are found wooden sculptures uh, dressed up in handmade little uh, outfits representing the ways in which women spent every day working in the Southern, uh, you know, first half of the 20th century black community. Um, similarly, you see a lot of artists in that world that have come out of extreme poverty and art making has become a, a lifeline for them. Uh, you, you obviously would think about somebody like Lonnie Holly, uh, also known as the Sandman, or, or uh, his sculptures. Um, Purvis Young uh, from Overtown, which is in downtown Miami, was another self-taught artist whose work is very rough and very much assemblage-based, uh, and it and it speaks heavily to the community trying to transcend their circumstances. You know, uh, sort of flights of angels and uh, and and people in the middle of the city squalor, uh, reaching upward to the heavens. So, you know, this is work that is heavily graphic, and it is also very, very vibrant, typically in, 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 its, in its look and its color palette. And it's also work that, um, that is deeply connected to either a spiritual practice or, you know, a, a life of hardship uh, without resources. My father also got very interested in a whole host of different types of segments of the self-taught artist uh, universe. Uh, he was very interested in art that was made by people that were imprisoned. Many, many years ago, uh, my dad used to drive out to Texas, and he would meet up with Dominique de Menil, the woman who created the Menil Museum in Houston, and they would go to prison art auctions in rural Texas together and buy art. Mrs. DeMeneal knew that art was about the humanistic spirit, that, that, that need to create. And regardless of whether or not it was a Twombly sculpture, a, a Don tribal mask from Africa, or art of you know, somebody that was either imprisoned or mentally handicapped, she viewed all of those things on the same continuum of quality of excellence and didn't differentiate or discriminate between them. Um, so my dad had these wonderful experiences along the way of both meeting the artists, serving as their advocates, being financially supportive of them, and then also interacting with other collectors in the landscape that are committed to this creative spirit of, of these artists. Right now, um, Purvis Young, the gentleman that I mentioned in Miami, uh, is, is getting ready to be the subject of a show at the Rubel Collection in Miami. Um, like my father, the Rubels were enormous supporters financially of Purvis Young and built an enormous collection of their own, of his works. Uh, and so during Art Basel, when they showcase artists from their collection, they are going to be showcasing Purvis Young this year, which will serve the purpose of really introducing Purvis Young, sort of the top of the heap in the outsider universe, to a very, very broad community of 
the um, the contemporary art world. Yeah, it's interesting as you, uh, you know, the more traditional contemporary art world, of course, for many decades, artists go to an MFA school, they get represented by a gallery, the gallery showcases the artists, um, etc. But these outsider artists, they really, uh, you know, they're self-taught and a bit outside of the art establishment. So, um, yeah, can you, I know you touched on a couple of examples, including your father, but how exactly did these artists uh, get recognized and promoted um, for their work? Well, you, you know, sadly, many of them uh, just go unrecognized. Many of them have uh, very little in the way of, of commercial success. Um, in fact, virtually all of them have no commercial success in the in the world that we know of the contemporary art landscape where you have people, you know, become star artists and become multimillionaires along the way. You know, these are artists that were outside of most of the entire landscape of institutional support, whether it's a gallery or a collecting museum. Now, over the past, call it 15, 20 years, more and more museum curators have embraced outsider self-taught art, and they have um, started to look at ways to incorporate it into their canon of studies so one of the things that I, I was really struck by is very recently there was a great show at the National Gallery in Washington, D.C., uh, which is getting ready to move to LACMA here in Los Angeles. Uh, and it's the show that looks at self-taught artists and their relationship uh, with their, their relationship as inspiration for contemporary artists. Um, this is a, a show curated by Lynn Cook, who's you know one of the great curators of our time, and she has drawn these lines connecting, you know, somebody like Lee Gody, a self-taught artist, a, a homeless woman in Chicago, to the work of Cindy Sherman, and she's identified a number of different ways in which these artists somehow infiltrated the psyche of contemporary art-making artists and, uh, you know, is really putting them on, a, on an even playing field, you know, on, an, on, on the same level for study and evaluation. You know, another part of this is that, relatively speaking, there aren't that many study resources on outsider art, how to get educated about it. And um, what I found when my father died was that he had compiled an archive of absolute encyclopedic breadth of coverage of artists, um, their work, uh, receipts, letters, everything that you could imagine from his relationships of 30 plus years with the leading outsider artists of the time. And so I decided to give his archive uh, to the Smithsonian. So now uh, there is something called the Jimmy Hedges Papers on Outsider Art at the Archive for American Art at the Smithsonian, which I think is the largest institutional resource for study materials on outsider art. I'm really happy about this because from my perspective, this will create you know, a whole new universe of curators and students that will have a resource to learn more about this art and how to look at it in the context of, of a time, a vernacular, a style, et cetera. 
And you mentioned that for a lot of these artists, there really isn't a liquid market, but there seems to be some market uh, development and maturation here for outsider art. I know there's been some art fairs and there's even been some auctions. How has the market evolved for this art over the last few years? Well, heretofore, the outsider art market, as it was, uh, was a uh, small set of usually regional auction houses that would, um, that would sell this material. Uh, in addition to that, there is a very small universe of galleries uh, that showcase outsider art across the United States. Um, I'm going to guess that that universe is certainly less than 100 galleries, but, you know, probably more like 50, 60 galleries that, that would comprise the full spectrum of, of art galleries that represent this material. Um, there is a dedicated fair, uh, the Outsider Art Fair, that my father was very, very involved with throughout its whole tenure of, during his life. Um, the Outsider Art Fair takes place in January in New York City, and it is a great way to jump into the waters and sort of swim around and get a lot of visual cues and education about outsider art. And then the Outsider Art Fair also has a, um, a, a corollary fair that's held every October in Paris. It's actually going on this week, uh, middle of October. So, you know, between attending the Outsider Art Fair and identifying those galleries that are supportive of the work, um, there are not a lot of resources. There, there are uh, an increasing number of institutions that are uh, committed to outsider art. Uh, clearly, uh, the Smithsonian has has a leadership position in collecting outsider art. Uh, similarly, there's the Folk Art Museum in New York City, um, and then uh, the High Museum in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, is another great resource with a, a breadth of, uh, of artists collected. And you're seeing more and more that institutions like LACMA, like the Menil, are committed to increasing their exposure to this work and then obviously creating shows to, so that audiences can get more educated and see it. And so you inherited about 2,400 outsider art objects from your father's collection, as we've discussed. How have you been managing this in terms of whether it's donating certain things, selling them, promoting them, et cetera? Yes, well, you know, heretofore, I, I've, I've sold precious little. I mean, you know, I, I think with any exercise like this, you, you, you look at um, those things that really resonate with you that you want to keep for yourself and your children and things like that. Um, but that's a very small subset out of uh, 2,400 plus objects. Uh, so I, I started off by making the institutional gift of his archive to the Archive for American Art. Um, I'm now working on a handful of other institutional gifts uh, that will basically provide either some depth of representation for an artist or will be encyclopedic mini collections to give an overview of the material. I was really inspired by the Warhol Foundation and what they did with gifting uh, a very, very large amount of work to about 180 collecting institutions so that they had a breadth of materials that could be studied on Warhol's photography making practice. And so I want to do something obviously on a much smaller scale 
but something that will that will get it out there in the world and appreciated by a broader audience. And you know, then I'm I'm going to be looking to sell works over the course of time. But with a collection of this breadth, uh, it's 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 a long, long term project. Outside art's very interesting, and I think uh, people are starting to learn a little bit more about it. And um, yeah, it's great to have you on and talk about uh, this segment of the art market and art world. Um, the history of it's really fascinating, and um, it's great to see increased recognition um, for some of these artists after so long. Uh, and I know on your website you have kind of a a description about the collection and then you also have a list of several outsider artists that are in your collection and our listeners if they want they should check it out and uh they can learn about some of the artists what's the website they can visit so it's www.hedges-projects.com so h-e-d-g-e-s hyphen projects with an s.com and yes, indeed, there is a, a list of artists in the collection. Uh, it's not exhaustive. It's not the complete list, uh, but it's sort of the greatest hits, if you will. And it's a, uh, a really interesting landscape. Uh, and I invite the, the listeners to not only look at my site, but also to, to you know, sort of Google those, those artists. And you'll, even if you, you just Google image those artists, you'll find a lot of really exciting stuff to, to take in. Perfect. Jim, thanks so much again. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.